Hey guys, welcome back to Off the Court Podcast, partnered with ESPN Honolulu. I'm Faina, this is... Jenna. And she was the former UT setter, and I could talk all day about all the awards she's won and (laughs) how she got to where she is, but I'll let her have the floor on that. I'm Jenna Gabriel. I am from Honolulu, Hawaii, um, and I recently just finished my fourth season at the University of Texas for their volleyball team. Can you talk a little bit about how you got to being a starting setter for Texas, especially at a shorter average height as a setter? Yeah, so my recruiting process was definitely a lot different than my teammates that I've gotten the chance to play with at Texas. Um, I was recruited by Texas very late in the game, kind of like the summer beginning of my junior year of high school. Um, And it was really exciting, kind of out of the blue, um, kind of finally dropped onto a big coach's radar, Um, got on the phone with them, had a nice little conversation. Two days later, me and my dad were on a flight out to Texas to go on an unofficial visit. And it was game over from there. I knew that I wanted to go here and absolutely fell in love with all of it. Um, And yeah, from from then on, it was history. Was it stressful going through that process? Like, was it hard finding schools you could play at? Yeah, it was It was definitely really stressful. Um, I think that athletes growing up in Hawaii um, almost have a recruiting disadvantage just because we don't get the same amount of exposure as athletes in the mainland do. Um, we get to go, especially for volleyball, for club tournaments, you get to go up to two, three tournaments in the mainland a season at, at max. And um, it's on you to show out as much as you can during those tournaments and try to get on those radars because these coaches don't get to come and see you weekend after weekend at all of the tournaments that the mainland clubs get to play in. Um, so it, it was definitely a struggle, especially being a setter. Um, the setters that I've gotten to set with here at Texas have all been six feet and up and mm-hmm. I'm standing over here, like walking around like <laughs> five, six, five, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely discouraging for me for a really long time. Uh, especially as more and more girls started to commit to schools. And I was still kind of trying to decide between whether or not I wanted to go to a smaller school that I knew that I would have a great opportunity playing at, or if I wanted to kind of take a chance with the big dogs and, and head over to Texas and just try my luck and, and see what I can do there. And it, it always ended up working out for me um, better than I had, would have ever expected. Uh, but it was definitely it's definitely a struggle, um, definitely really prepares you and gets you that mental toughness that you'll need at the next level. Mm-hmm. So when you were in that time of discouragement, what did you do to kind of help battle those feelings? Yeah, my, I vividly remember just being super down in the dumps about everything. I think it was mm-hmm. like my sophomore year of high school and I was kind of going through like a little lull and like, I just didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was playing well. I kind of just like didn't really see like where I would be able to get to like kind of live out my dreams of playing at a big school. Um, and it was like the end of the year, it was tournament time for volleyball. And I remember I was watching, I was watching a tournament and on comes Texas and I see Chloe Collins setting for them. Chloe Collins is five, seven, and she was an amazing setter for Texas. And I literally saw her and I was like, I can do this if she's mm-hmm. five, seven and she's setting at one of the best 
programs in the country, then I can set somewhere like I can do it. No problem. It kind of, it kind of helped me push through. And then little did I know I'd end up setting mm-hmm. <laughs> for the same school that she did. So it's pretty funny how that worked out. But mm-hmm. I think having somebody that looked like me as a player, like mm-hmm. really helped my mentality to kind of get out of the dumps and, and continue to work hard. And now that's awesome because little girls that are five, seven look up to you now. <laughs> and it's the craziest thing. I never, I never thought I'd be in that position, but it's, yeah. it's honestly like one of the most amazing, like humbling feelings to like mm-hmm. be able to kind of share my experiences and like help them out, kind of give them hope that we can do it. Cause we can like yeah. just you're shorter doesn't mean that you're just as athletic, smart, and good enough to play for these big teams. Yeah, you may be 5'7", but you play like you're freaking 6'5". <laughs> um, clearly, with all your All-American awards and big <laughs> setter of the year, stuff like that. Um, can you touch up on your experience at Texas in general? Yeah, my experience coming in, I kind of, I remember kind of getting onto campus, starting training and everything, and kind of calling my parents and being kind of like, am I, am I in over my head? Like, is this going to work out the way that I want it to? And my family is just like the best support system ever. And they kind of picked me up and we're just like, just go out there and do what you do and work as hard as you can work harder than anybody else. And so I came into the program and I actually started training as a defensive specialist. And mm-hmm. that was really tough for me because I'd been a setter my whole entire life. And people kind of assumed, especially the fans at Texas assumed that I was a defense, like I had been a defensive specialist my whole life just because I was smaller. Um, and so I was in the gym trying to learn this completely new position next to girls that have been playing that position their whole life. And they were top recruits mm-hmm. at it. So like, they're obviously much better than me. Um, and so it took a lot, but I just kind of put my head down, started going to work and was the first one in the gym with the DSs getting extra reps. Last one out of the gym with the setters getting extra reps mm-hmm. um, and just trying to work on both crafts and try to become the best at, at all of it just for the opportunity to play. I remember sitting down with my coach um, before I committed and looking at him and telling him, I don't care what I have to do. Like, I just want, I just want to get on the court one day. Like that's, that's all I wanted, whether it was as a DS, whether it was as a setter. Um, and so about two thirds through my freshman season, I finally got the opportunity to get on the court. I was just kind of thrown in the game randomly and and just tried to take it head on and just never looked back, honestly. And mm-hmm. it was it was the most amazing, like amazing feeling to really know that like all that work I was putting putting in, like mm-hmm. actually paid off. And then I could finally just focus on being a setter again. And it was just Mm -hmm. the greatest feeling. That's awesome. And you've pretty much kept that starting position until the end, right? Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) Still work just as hard, you know? Yeah. Um, Never stops. How was balancing being at UT as a student um, along with the athletics life? Yeah, balancing... um, academics and athletics was like a little tough for me in the beginning. Um, but UT did like a really, really good job of just like staying on us and, and making sure we're keeping up with our academics. Like all of your freshman year, you have mandatory study hall every day and mm-hmm. you're in there making sure that you're getting your work done and you're getting tutors if that's what you need. And so in that sense, we were really spoiled with those resources and having people that were making sure that we were 
doing what we needed to do and then using that freshman year of study hall and then being strict on you with that, then you kind of learn how to, how to work and, and balance it all as you move mm-hmm. forward. And it just becomes more of a routine. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely, I definitely think that helped because once I got in that routine, that's one thing I was really strict about with myself on, on maintaining that because you don't want to be playing catch up like mm-hmm. in the middle of the season or playing catch up after having to wake up at 6 a.m. throughout the whole week and not preparing for a test or mm-hmm. something like that. So the balancing part, like portion of it, like you really have to get on it like as mm-hmm. soon as you get there or else it's never going to get easier for you. Were there times where it was way more stressful to balance than others? Oh, yeah. Especially like once you get into crunch time of the season, it's mm-hmm. at the same time that you're preparing for finals or preparing for really big tests and projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like making sure that you're staying on top of that to prepare yourself for those moments so that you're not feeling all this weight of having to win and at the same time passing your exams. Like mm-hmm. that that's a huge difference because you can control more of that aspect of it you can't necessarily control like who you're playing across the net so you'd rather give yourself room to be able to focus on that 100 percent instead of having to like worry about just like other outside aspects that you know you're gonna have to deal with so obviously playing at texas there's you know pressure playing at one of the biggest volleyball schools in the country how did you deal with that pressure yeah, I, I loved it, especially coming in and everything being new and coming from Hawaii, like you live for that. Like you grow up going to the San Sheriff and watching UH play and like try to picture yourself being that girl one day. And so I finally got that opportunity and it was it was amazing. You get familiar with like the fan base and and how crazy they can get. And it's it's fun. It's it really is, but at the same time, like you feel pressure because you want to make them proud because they invest, they invest so much of their time and their commitment and their money into supporting us and, and cheering us on that. There's like that little, that little Mm -hmm. part of you in the back of your head. That's just like, I can't let them down. I can't let them down. And so it definitely adds pressure, but at the same time, like it's one of the most amazing feelings to know that like you're going to step onto the court and chances are more nights than not that the whole entire gym is going to be sold out. So. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, So along with that pressure, I kind of wanted to go into this other side, the social media side. Um, I remember I was with you when you guys lost in, was it the semifinals? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, you were kind of feeling down because your phone was just blowing up with hate messages and all that stuff. How do you deal with, you know, the pressure of like all these random strangers on social media? Yeah. I mean, after, after that loss, I definitely deleted my Instagram for a second and mm-hmm. completely turned my phone off because it's, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and by no means do I think that like pressure from fans and people having their opinions about sports and how people play by no means do I think that that just needs to stop completely. And mm-hmm. that shouldn't be part of sports because it is, it's completely ingrained into the culture of what sports is and stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so easily now we lose the human aspect of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and people fail to recognize that, especially at the collegiate level, these are kids, we're kids, we're 18 to 22 years old, mm-hmm. literally trying to figure out our lives. Like mm-hmm. 
going through school, figuring out what we want to do with a degree and what's going to happen once we're not an athlete anymore and like have to kind of take on that next chapter of our lives. Um, I think people just like fail to acknowledge that fact. And it's so easy when all they do is see us through a screen. And, mm-hmm. and I understand that that makes it easier for people to, to say those things and to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't understand all the work that goes into it. And the fact that losing is bad enough and especially not making it as far as you want to, as far as you're expected to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I definitely, I definitely feel like that takes the toll and, mm-hmm. and, and people don't necessarily pay attention to that as much as they should. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that backlash affected? So I know that happened every year. So do you think that backlash affected your performance in the upcoming seasons or even, you know, you quitting Texas volleyball? Yeah, I think, I think the difference was, cause obviously like you kind of face that backlash every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I was just, I was just able to use it as fuel and it got me mm-hmm. back in the gym and back working out. And, and you kind of have that in the back of your mind and it pushes you when you're not feeling it and you don't want to work as hard. You remember those comments and you remember that you didn't make it as far as you wanted to. Um, and that, that's what kind of keeps you going. And I kind of think the difference was that finishing up my fourth season, I was receiving all this stuff. And obviously that, that was at a different height than it usually was in previous Mm -hmm. years. Um, but I didn't have that same like fire when I read those, those comments and saw the DMS and, and witnessed all of that happening instead of like, at that point, I kind of felt like all of my love for volleyball, all my passion that I had for it, just like it wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think I realized that the older I got, the easier the physical aspects got of it. Like you, your body gets used to all the working out, you get stronger. So you're not as fatigued all the time and mm-hmm. you're able to manage that. But mm-hmm. the older you get, the mental, the mental part of it didn't necessarily get any easier. If anything, mm-hmm. it kind of continued to pile up and it's one thing after another and having to constantly prove yourself and start at square one instead of being able to build off of everything that you've worked for. I think that's like, that's the part of it that just becomes so overwhelming. And mm-hmm. now you see it in student athletes across the country. Like I'm, I'm not special or different for stepping away or experiencing what I experienced, mm-hmm. but like it, it, it's happening to all of us. And I don't know that it's, it's acknowledged enough or, athletes are taking care enough taking care of enough for them to get enough help on that so that they can overcome those challenges right I mean that goes kind of goes into burnout right like where you're just in a constant cycle of you know working out every day and then like losing so your season's done but then you go back into it and it's the same thing over and over again and then by the end you're just so tired of it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, so you're kind of talking about the student athlete landscape in general. Could you touch up on how you think, uh, student athletes mental health is nowadays? Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's not good. And I think that we can, we can clearly see that. Um, and I think that it's something the mental health of student athletes right now should be at the forefront of every Mm -hmm. single college program's mind right now. Um, I think they need to understand that what they do within their programs is so much, is so much more than just winning a national championship. It's so much more than just having a successful season. 
I think that we need to get back to making sure that we're taking care of the student athletes that are giving their bodies and giving their lives to these programs. And it's when they feel like they aren't taking care of where they feel like they don't have that support anymore, or they feel like because they're feeling these way, like these ways and they feel like they're struggling, they can't speak on it because it makes them seem weak. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that's where the system is kind of faltering is that everything is so surface level that a quick check-in but like, Oh, how are you doing? It's, it's not enough anymore. You can't just check off that box. Like, yeah, I checked in with them. If you don't, really dive into like find out how they're actually doing because it's so easy to look at somebody and say yeah I'm great mm-hmm. like, especially for me like not many people knew that I wasn't doing well and it mm-hmm. came to shock like came to shock a lot of people when I finally stepped away mm-hmm. and so it's, it's easy to mask it but if you have the right support system behind you then you can figure out what you can do to kind of get back to what you want to be at mm-hmm. so throwing it back to when you weren't feeling that well and you did mask it, do you kind of regret masking it at that time? Like, do you ever feel like you were, you should have been like, yeah, I'm not doing that well. I think I definitely could have spoken on it sooner. Um, I actually went to like our student mental health services and stuff within athletics. And I started seeing a therapist, Mm -hmm. um, and after a couple of sessions, I, I genuinely felt a difference. And, and then I finally felt comfortable enough to like sit down with my coach and tell him like, I'm, I'm not happy and I don't feel like myself. And that was the biggest thing that I was struggling with. I just, I did not feel like myself. And especially for me, that's, that's a very unfamiliar feeling. And I wasn't comfortable in it and knew that I needed to do something about it. Um, and so like, for me, I, I think I did a good job of understanding that I needed to seek help. Could I have done it earlier? Yes. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that it would have changed things for me. Um, mm-hmm. or if I, I would have, uh, ended up coming back for my fifth season or not. Um, but I, it, get, it gave me clarity. And I think that's what a lot of athletes lack sometimes is, is the clarity they need to kind of like mm-hmm. understand their path and what they're doing, why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. what happens after like that, that type of thing. I think that helps because not everybody needs to play five years of mm-hmm. college sports. Not many people do like, obviously COVID changed that situation for us. And I did everything that I was supposed to do at Texas. I played my four seasons and mm-hmm. was excited for the opportunity to come back and do and, and play another one. I just, I don't think that that's what I was necessarily meant to do. Do you think like, do you think that all collegiate athletes should go to therapy at some point or do you think it's not for everyone I definitely think they do especially with everything going on right now um Mm -hmm. being there for your athletes to a point where like it should be mandatory like there should be check-ins and yeah I think that'll kind of help with the stigma that surrounds therapy because there's such a negative connotation around it and I kind of fell into that before and then finally when I was at one of my lowest I was like I thought that that was my last resort was to finally go and talk to somebody, mm-hmm. but it's, it's honestly one of the most amazing things that you can do. You can sit down with somebody that's completely unbiased about your situation and just tell them how you feel with no mm-hmm. consequences, no repercussions, no worries about what you're saying mm-hmm. or not knowing if somebody's going to tell you that you're right or wrong for feeling the way that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, especially right now, I think that everybody should have, every athlete should have to with Mm -hmm. everything going on. I think that it might not, student athletes might not realize how everything that's happening is affecting them. And so I think that if they're able to talk about it and kind of put in that situation and in a safe space, then I think it could make a huge difference on a lot of college sports. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember the first time I went to therapy, like, I was like, I don't know if this is going to help, you know, this lady who doesn't know anything about me, like, you know, what does she know about my life, you know, but just just getting it off my chest felt great, you know, and like, I was scared to talk to my friends because I didn't want them to judge or, you know, talk to other people about it or, you know, talk to my coach or whatever, but going to a therapist, literally like they're legally supposed to not say anything about it. Yeah. And exactly. so they can't judge you. So yeah. it's a free zone. Like exactly. <laughs> so the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. You can cry and they, you know, they can take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a whole, how do you think like, cause obviously hiring psychologists to every school might not be financially possible at this time for, you know, universities that can't afford it. So what do you think would be a good way to like start now as a community and, you know, the schools without, you know, who don't have the option to afford something like that right now? Mm-hmm. I, I think that really it, it starts at ground zero. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the way student athletes are recruited, they're being, or at least when like we were getting recruited, I know rules have changed since then, but girls were getting recruited seventh eighth grade at, at mm-hmm. the youngest and by doing this like coaches and, and college programs are promising these little girls and little boys this life at a call at a big college doing what they've always dreamed of doing and selling selling you this product basically but then a lot of the times you kind of get there you step foot on campus and it's a completely different story and which is something like everybody's talked about for a really long time. And it's understandable. Like it's understandable to understand that they tell you what you really need to hear. But when you get here, you still got to put in the work. It's not like you come into a program and you're immediately guaranteed your playing time. So that aspect, like that, that remains true. And that's fair. That's fair. You have to come in and compete for your spot. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is that you're promising this life, not only to these kids, to their parents, that, when they get there, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be looked after. Like you're basically signing on as their, as their next guardian, especially if they're going far away from home. True. Uh, and, and it's not, and, and that's, a, that's a big responsibility, but it doesn't take as much commitment as, as maybe people think. It's not that difficult to completely invest yourself into your athletes' lives. You are handpicking them from across the country to come and play for you. And mm-hmm. so that, that kind of means to, that means something that, that means something to these kids. And, and it should mean a lot to these coaches that they were chosen to kind of like spend the next four years of their life with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just like investing in their kids and, and creating genuine relationships so that there's a safe space where these kids feel comfortable enough to come to them when they're not, feeling okay when they're not doing well mentally and being able to talk to them about it because that's that's the first step the first step is acknowledging it and being able to talk about it and if you really have these genuine connections and 
you really love your players, then they'll be able to talk to you about it. And not only that, you as a coach or you as a trainer or academic mm-hmm. advisor, AD, whoever you might be a part of that staff, like you'd be able to recognize that they're not, that they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can start to avoid these, these feelings of one student athlete being completely overwhelmed in one moment and seeing that their only way out is to take their own life. Like that's how you avoid that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can't, we cannot afford to do that. Like student athletes cannot afford to go another day with opening up Instagram and clicking on somebody's story and seeing a post from another college saying that one of their athletes has taken their life. There's, mm-hmm. there's no more room for that. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm here talking about my experience and mm-hmm. I had the support system behind me that helped me come to my decision and helped me feel good about it. And I was blessed with that, but not everybody has that. And mm-hmm. so programs have to be that support system for, for their kids because now I'm here and I'm going to use my platform and my voice to speak for the student athletes that can't anymore because they chose an option different than I did because maybe they felt that they didn't have that support system or they thought that there was nothing else for them to do. Um, and so it, it truly, it starts from ground zero. It starts from the second mm-hmm. that you start recruiting a kid. Um, and it just needs to be talked about. It needs to be talked about a lot more until something changes in, in the culture of recruitment, the culture of teams, the culture of organizations just completely change. Geez, that was a fire answer. <laughs> you answered like my next three questions and now was I'm like, off guard. I <laughs> start crying a little bit. I was like, hold it together. <laughs> you got me so emotional. Um. Jeez, okay, yeah. You I had my next questions prepared, but no need to ask them anymore. <laughs> um okay, last few. Um who would you say you are outside of being an athlete? Outside of being an athlete, um, I've actually really come to embrace like the student side of everything. Mm-hmm. I love the grad program I'm in and it has like completely opened my eyes to like what I want to do next and kind of help me find my next passion. Um, and that's huge. Um, I'm like, I'm a musician. I love playing music and that has always been an outlet for me and has always kind of helped me um, remember that I'm more than just an athlete, which I think is huge because you fall into that rut way too easily once you come to college and you really get into the grind of everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just Jenna. That's, that's <laughs> it. I really like, I love that. It took a lot of, it kind of took some getting used to it being like, yeah, I'm, I'm a student athlete. Like I'm not a student athlete anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, still an athlete. We will all forever be athletes. So mm-hmm. that part, I remember one time I said, I'm not an athlete anymore. And somebody's mm-hmm. like, no, wrong. You will always be an athlete. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. I think it's important that you remember, like you're more than just an athlete and whether you can see it now or not, once you're done playing, you will find what your next purpose is. If your purpose right now is to be an athlete and to play your sport, that is amazing. And it's going to set you up to become really good at whatever your next chapter is going to be. Right. Yeah. It's important because when you're just an athlete, 
or I, I always say it's important to find other hobbies and stuff that make you happy because if you know if you have a bad practice and you only identify as just an athlete like your entire day is ruined or entire week you know or even with injuries you know if you're injured for a year you're like who am I for this next year <laughs> and so it's always important to find you know like like you said be a musician be you know a student you're always more outside of just being an athlete so I feel like that's super important especially with like the pressure of playing nowadays you know like if you have a bad game like it just messes you up mentally because you kind of just lose sight of who you are you know deep down mm-hmm. um yeah okay let me think um i guess last thing do you have any more advice to anyone who's either going through a hard time right now whether it's in athletics or you know just struggling mentally in general yeah i mean my biggest piece of advice would be that it's okay that you're not okay and i understand that that's said a lot and you can put it on a shirt and think it means something and people listen to it but like it it really is it's okay not to be okay but you can find ways to seek help and going to therapy finding somebody to talk to it's not a sign of weakness It, it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do it doesn't mean that you're worthless and that you're not good enough to be in the position you're in um, and that at the end of the day, it makes you stronger. Like if you are at a low point and you are able to find ways to get yourself out of it and are able to acknowledge that you're not okay, but are willing to take the next steps to get back to where you want to be. That's like a huge sign of strength. And that mm-hmm. takes a lot of courage to be able to know that you need to do something for yourself and you need to put yourself first. And at the end of the day, you can walk out of that and you can be proud of yourself for it. Um, I think my second piece of advice, maybe to people that aren't going through it and, and don't necessarily experience the same things that a lot of student athletes experience would be the fact that mental health is, is not just a catchphrase and that it really means something to a lot of people and that it really needs to be paid attention to right now. And so if you're doing well and you feel really happy with where you're at, you can use so much of your energy to help others around you. And to really invest in your relationships with your friends, your teammates, your coaches, whoever it may be that you come into contact to, like if you're invested in their life and and you genuinely check into them, check in with them and know how they're doing, just those like little things, those little conversations every now and then, like will make the huge difference and mm-hmm. you might not even know it. So wow, girl, you're on fire. <laughs> 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 yeah, so. Like she said, reach out if you need it. And if you're someone who can help, please help others. Um, Cause we all just are one big happy family. <laughs> you can always reach out to us at Off The Court um, or even Jenna, I'm sure she would love to help if, especially if you've listened to this podcast and realized that you're going through the same things that she went through. Cause like she said, she always wants to be there for you and knows how it feels. So she would love to use her platform to help you out. Okay. Anything else, Jenna? Nope, that's it. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Off the Court Podcast, partnered with ESPN Honolulu. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Jenna. Bye.